0: Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game, although two men in a war game because Paul will not be with us tonight, so it'll just be me and Chris and oh, oh, I am your host, Kevin, and I am enjoying an ice cold bottle of zombie dust.
1: And this is Potter, and I'm enjoying an ice cold glass of water because oh, I'm, good man. I'm, I'm uh, not an alcoholic. Hey, I've gone to my know. AA meetings.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: No, I know. You're not an alcoholic. I'm just saying. I'm just saying I'm, I'm
0: not. I, well, I don't know. I'm from Wisconsin. I think that basically means I'm an alcoholic by proxy. Right. Uh, I think so.
1: And, you know, <laughs> and your blood is made of cheese, right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: I actually – yeah, I ate a lot of cheese today. That's a it's a, it's a, it's a rumor you can believe. People from here eat a lot of cheese. It's, it's hey, true. I've, I've seen that seventy show. I know what it's about. <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, it's true. There is also a lot of alcohol consumption. I'll, I'll – I, I actually did not know
1: that about Wisconsin. I did not know. so
0: much so much anyway yeah we digress on track Uh, so what are we talking about tonight
1: so tonight we are talking about our tentacly overlord game of mythos by wayland or yeah wayland games those are the guys that make it it is a fun lovecraftian themed game i would assume that it's fun i've never played it
0: yeah, I'm, I'm, we're gonna, so we're gonna assume it's fun, right? So yeah, Wayland slash War Cradle, uh, War Cradle Studios, the developer, Mythos, the game. What, this is gonna be a little different than most of our episodes, because most of our episodes, What we come through is through a lens of having played the games and had some experience playing them, but we are going to do a rule book review of Mythos because it's a new game, basically launched during quarantine, so none of us Mm -hmm. have really had a chance to play it, and in that, I mean, but we have played a lot of war games, and this game has a lot of mechanics that are similar, but it does have a couple that are novel and cool, and people might not be paying attention to it. I looked at the Facebook group earlier today. It only has a few hundred members where, you know, games like, yeah, games like, uh, you know, Marvel Crisis Protocol coming up on 7,000 games like Game of Thrones coming up on 10,000, uh, Infinity 10,000, right? So a few hundred. It's not a super popular game yet, but I think it's probably de- deserving of attention having gone through the rule book. A, at it was when, when it was released in its 1.00 edition and then or as it was being released and now in its version 1.01, um, out in full, res- full release. And we now have like seven of the eight factions or so represented with starter boxes. So you can get into this game in a big way for not a lot of money, I'll say. And it is a pretty novel skirmish game, even though it has some similar rules. So I think it'll be fun to go over it. Yeah. Uh, so This will be like a rule book review.
1: It'll be interesting to to look at a game that I have like actual zero desire to actually play. It'll be interesting. Yeah, we're –
0: we probably shouldn't get into too much of you know why, other than you know. Um, I just love Lovecraft's
1: just not a, a theme that I've liked in in my gaming life, so that that's literally the only reason why. It's just the the theme of the game being Lovecrafty, and I'm I'm not a big. That's it,
0: and that's it. That's all we have to get into. But um, yeah. before we get into the game, let's talk about hobby progress and game news. Uh, so for hobby progress, I have slowed down a little. Well, for me, slowed down. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not painting with contrast right now. Uh, I've gone back to doing just full traditional standard painting. I actually uh, worked on some t- some two br- brush blending, and also worked on using triads on my wet palette to try and you know stretch out the the colors that I could work with. And I've, I've painted uh, Loki and Hela from Marvel Crisis Protocol, and also an ogre from Relic Blade.
1: Oh, I did um, not realize your Loki was traditional painted. I thought that was still. Yep, contrast. Is awesome. It. it is
0: not contrast, but this Mini would look real good if it was contrast paint. There's not a There's not a drop of contrast on him actually, though. It is nice. warpstone glow for the greens, uh, some gold with some flesh wash and some bronzing for the highlights. Black shaded up with with a really warm gray on the pants, um, and then you know just some flesh colors. I got some uh, hex wraith flame for the glowy bit on the staff which is, I guess, kind of like contrast paint, and then a um, dry-brushed-up ice effect.
1: Nice. Very cool.
0: What have you been working on?
1: Uh, I haven't, surprise, surprise, I haven't actually painted anything, but I've been building. Uh, let's see, I got uh, Iden Verso built for Star Wars Legion. Um, Tight. I got... I did not get anywhere in my Indominus uh, box built because I caught the MCP bug with that X-Men release, so I uh, got... Boy thor and valkyrie built um and then i got a bunch of my mcp stuff primed and ready to go to start painting so i've I've got the bug and i'm ready oh and i picked up a padme as well too for legion so i'm just she's clipped off and mold lines are clean i just gotta put her together
0: dope that model's real good too man the the legion hype the mcp hype that stuff is real oh i know i uh i'm just so pumped about Marvel Crisis Protocol right now. I uh, I ended up getting my Green Goblin and my Miles and Gwen boxes pre-ordered today. So,
1: I I might have every single X-Men box already pre-ordered.
0: Yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> Did you see the September releases though?
1: I saw the September releases and yeah, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. 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 <laughs> yeah.
0: Dude, I was not expecting I was expecting Ghost Rider in October. So getting him a month from now, oh dude, I'm so excited! I have to clear like it. It has basically made it, so I'm like, all right, the next of the month, the rest of the month from now until September, I have to paint nothing but uh, Kings of War because I have to get through it. I have right. to get through this Kings of War army because once Ghost Rider comes out, then You're it's done. gonna be X Men, and then it's gonna be Greyjoys, and it's just like boom, 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 boom. The end of the year is just stacked with releases, well, so I need to get not- through
1: this army. It's not just Ghost Rider. It's, you know, Doctor Strange and Wong as well, too, which know, is the one I, I that's the one I want to grab. Cause, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, even though the movie, you know, wasn't as strong as other Marvel cinematic, uh, movies, like Benedict Coverbatch made me really enjoy Doctor Strange. He was not a character that was really on my radar before, but after seeing Coverbatch's performance, like, I got really interested in Doctor Strange and really liked that universe.
0: There's a – there's an animated movie from the Marvel Animated Studios and I'm going to feel like an asshole for saying this on the podcast, not knowing the name of it. But I will – we'll come back to it and revisit it and I'll make sure that I mention it. But it – man, if you look up Marvel Animated Doctor Strange, there's a really good movie that came out within life. I guess it was like the last seven years probably. It could be a little older than that. But it's bad ass. Um, and you might like that too. And I'm actually, I think, actually, on, I I think just I've just seen, seen it on Netflix. Because of last weekend. So I've been reading comics, comics like a mad fiend. And I just started Jason Aaron's run of Doctor Strange from 2015. Amazing. So good. Doctor Strange, The Sorcerer Supreme. That sounds like the one. Yeah,
1: that sounds like it. I think that's on Netflix. I think it's, I've seen that on Netflix.
0: It's badass. It's a it's a good like it's a good animated movie. The way that the DC animation studio movies are good.
1: Two DC animation movies are off. But it's the, no,
0: the best thing DC does. Yeah, we're, sure. we're getting we're getting off topic. <laughs> off topic. Back back to it. G- 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 game news. We don't we don't have we don't have that third person here to help us out. I know. I know. Game because I'm normally that third person and now I'm trying to do Paul's job. It's hard. It is. Uh, Game he does, he does a good job. <laughs> 40K starters. That yes. We talked a little bit about how they showed them, but we didn't know the prices. We know the prices now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, just like the previous editions. You have like a small box, a big box, and a bigger box. Uh, but the cool thing about the bigger box this time is that it has plastic GW terrain, which as a person who's owned and painted three different sets of GW plastic terrain, this stuff is high quality, very right. good. And I think this is a pretty good looking set too. Um, so that's pretty sweet. And they are 50 bucks, 100 bucks and 165 bucks. Yeah, and the, the and the amount of models that come in it are are
1: really good as well too. Like the I think I'm probably going to go in for the $100 range because mm-hmm. it's it's one, you know, from a space marine side, it's it's like the Relic Captain, um three more outriders and five more of the close combat uh, chainsaw boys. So, I think I might go in for that one because the fifty. Oh, I mean, actually, maybe the $50 one, get two of the 50 might be better because then it's two chainsaw boys and a lieutenant. So, yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's, I mean, if you split the box too, 50 bucks is probably going to be, I mean, the three bikes on their own is probably going to be close to 40, 45. So, right. Oh, yeah. If those, you, those, if, I'm
1: assuming those things are probably going to be actually 50. Those are, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you split that box, that's a pretty good deal.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I just have to find somebody to split it with because obviously I don't want any necrons. But yeah, they're, they're, they're good stuff. I mean, even, you I mean, the, the $50 box and the $100 box comes with the standard GW cardboard building that other past uh, sets for Age of Sigmar and 40K have come with. Um, so, but yeah, the $100 one definitely is a good deal for $165 with the amount of models you get. Plus all that terrain uh, that you get as well too, Um yeah, it's, it's good.
0: Very, very, very good uh, for sure.
1: Um, and so it's that's and that.
0: It's, yep. So the other thing, uh, did you see the Pandora box? That I got- I did. And how cool is that box? Um, I don't
1: play Malifaux, and mm-hmm. um, I want to buy that box because yeah. it's
0: just it's just that beautiful. I think so, too. I, and it's weird because I normally don't go for cheesecake-style models. Like, cheesecake models aren't really my jam. Um, and so what this box is, is it, it's the Neverborn Master Pandora. Uh, and the theme of it is witches and woes. Uh, and I would say it, uh, Pandora definitely has, like, a Bewitched vibe. Is that right? Is that what you'd mm-hmm. say? Yeah. yeah. Or, like, I dream of – no, yeah, bewitched. Bewitched. Yes, bewitched. bewitched is the right show. Yeah, it's Bewitched. <laughs> um and then the woes and the poltergeist are like the coolest spiritual like uh scarecrows yeah because uh, she's
1: got the she gets the um the pumpkin scarecrow right
0: she does get the carver
1: yep yeah because that was something that came out before that really didn't fit anywhere but i know with fourth edition or is it third edition uh, it was with second edition that Carver came out, right? But I think third movie. editions where it kind of really fit in now with the new keywords. Oh
0: yes, now he had he's actually so he through second edition he was never a legal model, right? Uh, he was an alternate model for another model called Killjoy, and now he <laughs> is his own model. Yes, so you are right.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's that I mean that alone is a really cool, really cool model himself. Yeah.
0: And I actually have a Carver because we did a Halloween event in my meta and. Um, Three I remember the, that three of the painters in the meta were bought um, carvers to paint for the event and I painted one. And then the CEO, uh, the community organizer, gave me mine back. He was like, yours is really great and you painted it so and this is your price. You get to keep it. I wasn't expecting to keep it. I was expecting to give it to the meta. Um, but that makes me even more excited about this Witches and Woes because it can go with the carver that I have already. Um, and it's 55 bucks. This box is $55.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's in line with a lot of their other boxes. It's a good price. But it's pre-assembled.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's five pre-assembled weird models. And they say that the plastic is not the same plastic they use for the other side. So I have high hopes for this set being um, pretty good. That's good to hear. Yeah, so I'll be pre-ordering that. So if you haven't seen Witches and Woes, that's an October release for Weird. If you've never gotten into Malifaux before, this is actually a pretty good box. And it it sounds like they hinted at a box to go with it to fill out Pandora's crew. Because um, this box is missing her totem, which is a little weird. Or not her totem, but her like henchmen and stuff. So right. It's, it's, it's a little bit weird. But man, very, very, very cool. I like uh, it. Let's dive in to the main topic talk about Mythos from War Cradle Studios. Mythos is as we noted at the top of the game, the this guy here a Lovecraftian game and specifically set just after the end of World War 1. The rulebook specifies as the world rebuilds after the Great War, the carnage caused by long forgotten dark gods and ancient powers begin to awaken. So that's kind of like the vibe they're going for. So think like, you know, early 1920s probably. Mm-hmm. and you're right on the mark like some of the terrain they've made it's like old ford model t's and stuff like that so that's kind of where you're at in terms of the setting um so really if you're really thinking about like lovecraftian fiction in general it's right in that era
1: right yeah it fits i was about to say that fits right in with that time frame
0: so let's let's talk about the broad strokes of this game the the first big thing to note is that this was previously a game created by a company called paranoid miniatures I didn't do a ton of research into the Paranoid game, other than I, I know that the, ter- the, par- the Paranoid game was a 32 mil game, and there were, there weren't as many factions as there are in this current version. I think I think there were only four or five. I also could be wrong. So War Cradles added a few factions and filled out the game a little, probably according to the plans that Paranoid had, because they give Paranoid explicit thanks and all the developers' thanks in the rulebook. Oh, cool. Right, very cool. One thing to note though is that Mythos is scaled up to thirty-five mil. Uh and if you're familiar with War Cradle, you're just gonna be like, cool, that's what that's what they do. Their games right. are thirty five mil. World Wild, Wild, Wild West X is a thirty five mil game, and all those models are scaled up to thirty-five. So that's pretty normal. So other broad strokes, this is a game played on a three by three table. So Right in line with the stuff we like, right? That, that mm-hmm. average skirmish size game. Most games these days are coming in at, you know, that three by three, four by four, two by two size. So right in the middle, three by three. This is an alternating activation game. Uh, and it has a very similar activation schema to Malifo. So your standard models have two AP in an activation with your leader models having three AP. Hmm. Okay. So alternating activations, two AP for your mooks and one, eight, one extra AP for your leader. Uh, this game has volume based LOS, which again, if you play Wild West Exodus again, uh, the sense. wording is very similar to the wording of Wild West Exodus, which also uses volume based LOS and easy to do, easy to, re- easy to resolve. It's a pretty loosey goosey rule, but it's also nice in that it's very, it's pretty simple to resolve disputes. I like. I've re- I never had an issue with their LOS. Have you? Uh, um, no, not during my time of playing Wallace Wild Texas. West. Nah. Yeah. Not, not normally. All right. So pre-measuring is allowed in this game. And the core mechanic is 2D6. Longtime listeners of the show will know that as soon as something says 2D6, for some reason, my brain turns on a happy button. I don't know why I like curves so much, but I love bell curves. Um, I also love standard arrays more than just like totally random dice rolling. So having a curve based core mechanic uh, automatically piques my interest. Um, does that for you? I know you came from a war machine background.
1: Yeah, I I, I like it. Um, I like the two d six mechanic because again, it, it makes to me it makes things you know simplistic. It's it's very easy to do. Um, there, you know, you're not rolling buckets of dice that can take a long time to figure out and slow the game down. Two d six makes it fast. It makes it easy. Um, uh, keeps the pace of the game going. So I am a fan of two d six systems.
0: Cool, 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 cool. All right, now. The 2D6 though, they've also added a little bit of what you like in World in Wild West Exodus. So if you've never played Wild West Exodus before and you haven't gone back in our back catalog, the core mechanic is based on a D10 and then it's also based on a target number of 10. So the number 10 always succeeds. So when you're shooting in Wild West Exodus, you roll a D10 and you add your stat and if you get to 10, you do the thing. Mm-hmm. In this game, it's not exactly identical because the combat tests are actually opposed in this game, but all other tests are target number 13 tests. And it's actually given some narrative uh, flavor in this game in that the number 13 is marked by the old gods as a, as a number of power. And so given that 13 is the number of power, 13, whenever you're rolling the dice and you're taking a test, so if you're taking a sanity test, for example, you're rolling two d six and adding your sanity test, looking for that target number thirteen.
1: Okay, I mean, yeah, the target numbers I like. I mean, with Wild West Exodus, with with Infinity, it just it makes things easy. It it makes it so you don't really have to rely on knowing your your uh, opponent's stats. So I like that.
0: Yep, and that's what it is, right? So it's 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 just a test, that, and it's real, and even in right in there, like they have like a series of sort of core rules and vocabulary. And the test of thirteen is right in it, right. So just just what we've talked about so far, you got some some passing interest in the game, or is it still the you're like nah, not sold yet? I mean the 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 system
1: itself, uh, I what you said so far from a system and a rule standpoint, I I like it. I mean it's it I think it's got all the characteristics so far that I enjoyed of Wild West Exodus as well as some other games. So it's just for me. it'll... I think it's just going to be the theme that I would have to get around. I don't think it's going to be a rules issue that I have to get around.
0: All right. Well, let, let's talk about the game a little bit more in the mechanics and then we can get into some, some crews and stuff. And we can actually spend some time talking more about the, um, the like flavor and, and getting into that. But I, I think the mechanics are, you know, obviously you have to want to be into a game, right? Like even, mm-hmm. even if you're going to get past the theme, you have to have a solid set of mechanics. Right. So, exactly. This game um, is a character-based game, like most of these skirmish games. So you're going to have uh, tarot-sized cards for your models. And we'll just go over some of the stats you have. So you have your your model. You have your model's um, keywords. So you, just like Wild West Exodus or Malifaux, you have a series of keywords like human, mortal, Archaeologist, like there's, uh, you know, the, or myth is one of the keywords. So there's lots of keywords that are used for other rules in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, so other abilities will target keywords, right? And then you have your standard set of abilities and, and and your, and your stats. And this game has actually quite a few stats. So let's go over them a little bit. I would say it's as many stats as Crisis Protocol, which even though you, you probably don't think of Crisis Protocol having a lot of stats, it has a shitload of stats. (laughs) Like, every model has three defenses, right? Every model has their height, their movement. Like, there's just a lot. So, um, this game, you have your movement stat and a charge stat. Because in this game, your charge charging is a two AP action that comes with an attack at the end, but your charge distance is actually different than your standard move distance. So rather than having like you charge double move or you charge move, there's just two different stats. So if you move as a standard move, you have your movement stat. And if you take the charge action, you use your charge stat. That's interesting. Yeah, that's not something that you normally see in the other games. It's not, but it's cool because it lets them push on some interesting levers, right? Right. Like a thing that's very fast, it might have like a creeping move, right? Like something might have like a move three or move four, but like a charge nine because right. of what it sees, it's a, it's target. It just like jams in and that allows them to play with that lever. I think that's a, actually a really clever way to differentiate the standard movement and not just make it like generic. So it's double movement yeah, no, that, or whatever.
1: Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned it like that, like I'm, I'm imagining that kind of like anime style in my head right now, like- like it's just something stalking, skulking, and then like seeing its target and going berserk.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, and this allow, this system allows for them I like to that. do that. Yeah, thematically, that. that's cool. I like that. You also have, you have three defenses in this game so you have your melee, combat, is combat defense, range defense, and arcane defense. Huh. So that's really similar to Marvel Crisis Protocol where right. you have your physical energy and psychic or mystic. Here you have your combat range and arcane. So it's basically how well do you do against melee weapons? How well do you do against range weapons? And how well do you do against magic?
1: Yeah, I again, that's one of my favorite things about uh, Crisis Protocol. So I'm, I'm liking it here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cause now they have three different levers they can pull on, right? For the, cause they can make the attacks those three separate things too.
1: And it makes, and it makes the game a lot more thematic because whereas somebody would be very, you know, agile, can be really good at their range and their combat, but maybe not so good at psychic attacks. Like I, I like that. It's, it's thematic. It adds flavor to the game. And, it, and like I said, it's another lever that they can pull on.
0: Indeed. Indeed. And now we get to three more stats. So you have your sanity stat, you have your myth stat, and your wounds. So wounds is it's how much damage you can take, right? It's how robust is your character. Once you take your wound threshold, your model dies. Uh, sanity is a stat that you use for sanity tests. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of sanity tests in this game. It's a, It's a – I mean, obviously, it's a Lovecraft game. Right. So playing with sanity is a big part of the game. So that's one of your main stats. And then you have myth. And so myth I want to talk about just for a sec because I think myth is one of the – big parts of this game. And I think, honestly, the way that this game was developed and the re- the way that myth works is the reason that war cradle dialed in and they bought this game from paranoid. So in West Exodus, and I, you know, I hate to keep going back and comparing to their other systems, but it's, I think it's worthwhile. The, ma- the resources you manage in wildless Exodus are your action points from the deck. You flip in your fortune, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And myth is that in this game. So at the beginning of a round, you generate a pool of myth equal to all of the characters that you brought in your crew. So, you know, if you, you basically look, you know, like this model's got two, three, three, two. You're like, all right, so I generate a pool of 10 myth for this turn. And then myth is what you use to act to A, cast myth based abilities. So there are myth like spells that you cast. And myth is used for that. But also, all, almost every attack has a myth trigger. And triggers only activate if you roll a critical, which is two sixes, or if you spend a myth point to do it. Okay. So, A, you have to manage that resource. But here's Mm -hmm. the kicker. When you want to spend a point of myth, you have to roll a sanity check.
1: Makes sense. Because
0: doing the things that that use myth are hard on your character's psyche. Right. So it's a it's a total risk reward, right? It's it's a double edged sword in that it's the you want to spend the resource because you want the additional effects, but Mm -hmm. every time you go for an additional effect, effect you are possibly affecting your model sanity.
1: Yeah, I mean, from a from a Lovecraftian standpoint, that's that's a that's a great thing to add into the game, and it's I don't think there's. There's not many games out there that that have that kind of penalty. I mean, I know like GW, they've got their penalties to their magic systems in their games, mm-hmm. but this to me th- this is something that's an ongoing stacking kind of thing, and oh, I it's like a, that. It's
0: a whole different level. And wait yeah. till we get into like the the actual like you're like, well, what does it mean that you have that? Well, one of the other stats on your card is called your madness threshold and after you reach your madness threshold some shit happens and we'll right. talk about that in a little bit but just know that like characters have a madness threshold and the, the the example in the book abigail halsey has a four madness threshold so basically once she's failed four of these checks the bad stuff starts to happen you know, that's to me. That's
1: I, I like. I like this because this this is something that you see more in board games, and you don't see this too often in miniature war games. Yeah. And I and it's an aspect of board games that I do like of, of those penalties from that risk reward system stacking up or or negatively affecting you. And and you really only usually get this in war games when it's kind of like of a special event kind of thing where they get the special rules for that one time event. I like that this is a core mechanic of the game. This that's I, very interesting to me.
0: I, I totally. Agree agree and and i think what it is for me is as i as i grow in my career playing war games i find that like tournament war games are less appealing and games that drive more like sort of emergent storytelling and interesting situations are more mm-hmm. appealing and rules like this even though it's a purely mechanical rule it really helps you tell a story in the way that it actually unfolds while you're playing a game
1: I agree i i feel and i think that's why i i've i've been driven to MCP so much because of how thematic that game is. And it's an, it's obviously a universe I care about and that, yeah, the, the rules aren't telling a story, but I can imagine that story of folding in my head. Like I can see the comic. Out playing out in front of me so things like so so games like that yes i agree with you that things like that is starting to you know and again infinity is another one because like i can imagine those firefights happening those those back alleyway shootouts and things like that like those thematic things are more enticing to me than just rolling buckets of dice at a tournament
0: competitive level thousand percent totally could yeah i agree i agree with you yep all right. So let's get into a little bit more. So basically we'll talk about the ba- your basic attacks on your cards. So your ba- your cards it's basically it's the name of the card or the name of the attack and then the starting stat. So like well the example in the book is a pickaxe and it's a stat 7. So when you roll in combat you roll your 2d6 and you add that 7 to it and that's your total for your attack. Okay. Then it tells you your type of attack. So that's that combat ranged or arcane Mm -hmm. then it tells you your range so be that base contact or some range outside of that and then your mythos effect which is the thing you can do by either spending myth or by getting crits and so that's things like bleed burn there's like all uh, basically like status effects and, and things like that that's what you are putting on people with your myth effects gotcha okay and that's the that's the anatomy of the attack. So when you look at the attacks on your profile, that's what you do. You're like, this is the number I add. This is my. This is how what, it, what kind of attack it is, or so the defense it's targeting. This is how far I can go, and this is what the trigger is if I decide to spend myth. Okay. Simple. Yeah. Very clean, easy. All right. So before we get into exactly how the mythos actually affects it and how sanity affects it. Let's talk about what you can do with your AP. Because, like all games that have AP, you have your different things that AP can be spent on. And this game actually has a pretty wide variety when compared to other games. Because most games, it's like move, use an attack, interact, right? Like, there's not like a huge suite of things you can do. Right. All right. So, here, move. That's a standard one. Easy. One AP, move your movement characteristic pretty simple. If you move outside of an enemy model's engagement, you provoke disengaging strikes. So that's- that's what it is. You can charge for two AP. And we talked about this a little bit. Basically, that means you have a, you have to pick a character, declare a model that's in line of sight as your target. And then you can move your charge stat. But before you do it, you must be able to reach your charge. You, you have to be able to reach it. So you have to get into combat range, be it base or whatever your combat act- ability is. The model doesn't have to move straight, but it must engage at the end and it can only attack the model who was the original target okay so that's a difference from wild west exodus right right? and i think a good difference yes but that's that you just you that's how charge works so then you have your combat attack which is one ap to use a combat action against the model in base contact simple you have ranged attack one ap that's make a ranged attack, and this is there's an important distinction here. It's make a ranged attack against an enemy model that is within range and line of sight. This model may you you cannot target engaged models unless the model is engaged with you. So you can shoot in melee. Ooh, I like that. But you can't shoot into melee with this action. Does it make sense?
1: All right. So wait a minute. So you you can shoot into melee. You
0: know you, you can you can shoot this if you are in melee. So, if a model is in your face, you can shoot them. Okay, okay.
1: So, it, it works like pistols in 40K. If you're in combat, you can use the pistol in combat with what you're in combat with.
0: Right, but you cannot shoot into an engagement.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. You can't shoot into someone another model's engagement. Exactly. Unless you yourself
0: are engaged with it. But that's where Aimed Shot comes into play. So, Aimed Shot is a 2 AP. Now, Aimed Shot may, it says you must be unengaged. So... You have to be unengaged, but now you can shoot into an engagement because you're aiming.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, makes sense. It's, it's a more difficult shot. So it
0: costs more AP. Makes sense. And you, and you have to concentrate. So you can't right. be engaged, but I think that's a really cool way of. Uh, handling being able to shoot Into new engagements and also not being able to. Right. It's neat, and you have the same thing with your arcanes. So you have your arcane attack for one AP and also what's called focused cast, and they're basically the same. It's the right. same as combat attack and ranged attack or um, ranged range attack and
1: range shot. shot. Yeah, No, it makes sense.
0: And again, right. it's, it's
1: a it's a risk reward because you know you're you're basically using up your whole turn to do that. So makes I like it. Yep.
0: So now you also have recover. So, whilst unengaged, you can remove one condition from either yourself or an unengaged friendly model within two inches. Okay. Yeah. So, condition removal. And it's important in this game because the conditions are awful. (laughs) And, like, you can most, almost every attack from the cards that I read can inflict some sort of condition if you spend myth to do it.
1: Yeah, and, and that's standard. I mean, the, you had a, a similar system in Wild West Exodus. So again, sorry to go back to Wild West Exodus,
0: but yeah, yeah but it's similar. It's, it's right? similar. It's, yeah, it's it's obvious. They I, again, I haven't read Paranoid's original rules, but I'm guess what they did is they they took Paranoid's rules and then they took lessons learned from Wild, Wild West, West Exodus mm-hmm. and applied them to this game.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, and good for them on that too. I mean, take if the wheels not you know you broke, don't don't you know don't fix it.
0: Exactly. Uh, So there's two more things you can do with your AP. Uh, One of them is that you can pass. And that's just the way of them putting in the rules that you're allowed to spend AP doing nothing. So you can stand still if you want to. Right. And also reload because there are weapons that have ammo. Not all weapons have ammo. But, you know, this is like the early 1900s.
1: I like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's an interesting – that is an interesting thing to do have
0: in a war game. I like that. Uh Uh-huh. And it, it basically just, it takes your, you takes your weapon from empty ammo to refilled. That's a cool but, rule. That's a cool rule. I like that. Very cool. I agree. And it's thematic as hell, too, mm-hmm. for this specific for the, yeah, setting. For, the, mm-hmm. for this setting, for this era, it just makes sense. I like that a lot. Yeah. And my understanding, too, is that there are certain, there are, there are some weapons that have limited ammo, but aren't reloadable, like flamethrowers. Right. I mean as long as you're not having an count,
1: like okay I've I got a revolver I've shot 6 times okay now I got to reload like that might get a little monotonous
0: But you but just use a counter, right? Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. But again, it, it's cool. It's one of the it's another one it's it's just, just giving you a resource you have to manage and think about. And I, I like it, right? Because really in, in most of these games you're just like shoot 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 right. shoot shoot. And you never have to worry about actually taking that breath to reload and this game actually forces you to do it, which
1: is yeah. pretty sweet. It's very it's again, it's very interesting rule for a war game and I like it.
0: Okay, so now let's talk about the thing that really differentiates Mythos from other war games, and that is the myth itself. So we talked a little bit about your sanity, right? And that you have a limit to the amount of madness that you can take before the bad thing. And so here's the bad thing. Every card in this game has two sides. You have a ready side and an altered side. And unlike... A game like the other side. In this game, that opposite side of your card generally sucks because your guy right. is fucking insane. Like, it might have things that you must spend AP on in your activation, right? Or it might have just generally worse abilities. Yeah. But also, they sometimes get better. Like, mm-hmm. a- as an example, Abigail, the model that's in the game, when she's flipped over, she has an ability called Uh, Dreamwalker That says When Abigail flips to this side Place her model Anywhere within 2D6 inches You may place the model In base contact With an enemy And if you do That enemy suffers Two wounds So when she goes Into Altered She just like Teleports and Racks somebody That's rough It's so cool And all of the models have this, right? And they can really play with like, is the model better on the ready side or the altered side? You know, and there are, al- <laughs> there are also mechanics that flip the cards outside of just reaching the madness.
1: Yeah, the 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 funny thing is is uh now that you've mentioned that that's something that I've realized I've started doing in MCP is really just more focusing on what's on the opposite side of seeing what changes. Do they get better? Do they get worse? Kind of thing on the opposite side of their card. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that's it's interesting that you say that I've realized like I kind of like that and I'm going towards that opposite side just to see it.
0: It's neat, but it actually gets neater than that because when you alter now there is a there is a table called the madness table and when you go into altered you have to roll on the madness table and then every turn that you start your activation altered you have to roll on the math, the alt, the madness table and the madness table sucks dude <laughs> like no as it should i would say 7 through so 7 through 9 it's okay 10 through 12 great But one through six, bad news, man. (laughs) You're taking shitloads of damage. You're straight up dying. You're like – you're losing your entire turn because you go into it. You get the condition that makes you lose all your AP. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. So the effects of being insane suck and there's a thematic, like the table like narrates what's happening to you. So there's a thematic justification for the things that are having to happening to your model while they're altered. But now you don't have a madness limit. So when you flip over, you lose all your madness tokens, but then you can start reaccumulating them. And every time you roll on the madness table, you roll the dice. And then subtract your madness. So like if you roll an eight and you have three madness, then you roll a five. Okay. It's rough,
1: dude. It's It's rough. Yeah, I'm just trying I'm I'm trying to put all that piece all that together.
0: That's not um no ow. No, no bueno. Yeah, super no bueno. So that's really, really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's again you know, like it's a really cool thing to have in a war game, and it, you know that risk reward. It's it's interesting, but man, these, those are some those are some heavy risks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Once you once you flip over to that madness side, now you're all, you basically once you go over and you're mad, your character's on the clock, right? Because if if at any point your role is one, you just die.
1: And it's like it's like going Super Saiyan and then at the same time killing yourself.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's just it. You're getting like this altered powerful state but at the risk that you're burning the batteries faster. Yeah, that's exactly it.
1: Actually, the more the more accurate for our anime fans it's you're going Deku when he was first got his power.
0: <laughs> yeah, and not yeah, you're definitely you definitely just got All for One and don't know how to handle it. So yeah, you're yep. breaking your arms. You're 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 not doing well. Yeah, also damn. Uh we just dropped into the weeb zone. I know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh definitely wearing our anime fan flags on our shoulders. All right, going a little further now. Let's just talk about how the actual combat works and then we'll talk about the factions and all that stuff. Cuz we're we're almost we're basically through the rules. Like I think right now you could you could really I could hand you some cards and we could start playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, so far we're only up to page 10 of the rules and A lot of these rules have heavy, large art prints
0: on them, which, you know, so your rules only like half a page. Oh yeah. It's not bad. It's not a, it's not a heavy duty rule book. Yeah, definitely not bad. But so combat. So when you're making a close combat attack, you roll your 2d6 and your defender rolls 2d6. And as the attacker, you add your combat attack, which is the number on your attack. And as the defender, you roll the two dice and add your, your combat defense stat. Now the winner is the person with the higher number. And the winner always does damage equal to the difference. So you are not safe as the agitator in this game. If you attack somebody and your opponent's total is higher, you take damage. That is interesting. I mean, that, but that, I like that because that really abstracts melee. Cause yeah. like, it, when you're in melee combat, it's not like, all right, it's my turn, bro. Keep your fan your, your hands down. So I can punch you in the face, right? Like, no, no, it's, again, it's, it's, and I look at it
1: saying, I say that it's interesting looking at it from a standpoint of, like you just like you mentioned, it's deviating from what we've come to know as the norm for wargaming.
0: Yeah, um, I I personally I think Bushido handles this specific yes. concept a little better. I and need to I, need, we'll I still do, need to play that. Well, someday we'll do a Bushido episode and we'll talk about why I think that it handles that aspect better, but. Um well I'll fuck it I'll say it. It's because in that game you can <laughs> you, you so in, in in Bushido you roll a hand of dice, but you get to pick before you roll how many of those are going toward attack and how many are going toward defense. Gotcha. Uh, in this game it's you you just both roll and the person who wins the roll is the person who does the damage. I mean
1: I think both have their merits but yeah I I think you're I think you're right it for Bushido it it allows you to figure out where you
0: there's just more meaningful player choice. Right.
1: Exactly. More player agency. That's, that's yep. where I was going with. Yep. You, you nailed it on the head. Yep.
0: Now, ranged attacks are a little different. Obviously. <laughs> if you're shooting in, basically, if, if you win the, the duel, right? So I do my 2d6 versus plus the range attack. You do your 2d6 plus your range defense. If I win, I do damage equal to the difference. And if I don't, I just miss. But, 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 but if I'm engaged with you, you do the difference back to me if you win. Huh? So that's the risk of shooting in melee. See, that one's a little bit more interesting since you're shooting a gun at somebody. But the way you think about it, right? Like, let's say we're in a melee. I have a model. You have a model. I shoot my gun at you and my roll is 14. Mm-hmm. And then you roll against your defense and your roll is 15. So in my head, you shoved the gun aside and punched me in the chin. You know what I mean? So I took two damage, even though I was shooting a gun in your face. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Um, so I like that. I think it's pretty cool. But here's the other thing is that there's a, there's a hit. There's a little bit of a hitch. And that is if I miss, The defender may make a two inch dodge in any direction that completely ignores the disengaging strikes rule.
1: See, that makes a little bit more sense to me. I I like that. That, that's thematic there.
0: Yep. So if your range shot miss, misses, it could mean that your target disappears behind cover.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's, that, that is a lot more. That's, that's cool.
0: I like that a lot. Very cool. I think very, very, very neat. And the arcane attack sequence is basically identical to that. It's just it, – it it targets arcane defense rather than range defense. But it's 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 basically the same. If you miss, you get to move two inches. If you're engaged, you get to hit back, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Also, there are crowd out bo- bonuses in this game too. I didn't Ooh. mention that yet. So when you're making a combat attack uh, – so when you're making a, a, should say when you're making a, a melee attack – you get plus one to your stat for every friendly model engaged with the target, and you get minus one for every enemy that's engaged with that character. So hmm. just like crowd outs and team ups.
1: Right. Yeah, I was about to say. Guild Guild ball. Ball. Yeah, I was about to say it's very Guild Ball.
0: Yep. It's, it's basically the same rule. You're just like plussing and minusing for the people that are there with you. And then it's just minuses for other engaged characters for the arcane and melee, right? Because everybody that's in the melee makes it harder for you to hit them. Right. So even when you take an aim shot, if you're taking an aim shot into a melee, you're automatically a minus one because there's at least one character that's engaged with them, right? hmm Okay. So that's that's the basic attack sequence. Uh, there's also template weapons in this game, just like Wabosexus. It's actually the same tool, surprisingly. Right, I saw not that. Surprisingly,
1: I was like, "Yeah, I saw that in the picture, and it is the exact one from the uh, it, <laughs> the, the yeah. Exodus starter set."
0: It's the same tool, and the way that it works is you line the flat part up with your base, and then you put the your center. You put your target that is it has to be in LOS. Your target has to be in line of sight on the center line, and then you roll the 2d6 once. And then that total hits every model under the template. And every every model under the template makes the defense roll. Yep. Pretty standard stuff. Pretty standard stuff. Simple. So disengaging strikes, we'll talk about real quick. Uh, so disengaging strikes is pretty similar to what you might think. A character can try to move away, right? So if you're engaged, you can declare a move attempt to to duck out and then each enemy character can choose to make one free attack against that person but it's the same as all other melee and if if the person who declares the disengaging strike loses they take damage and you still move Uh, you, you hit me i'm whacking you on the way out makes sense got it Yep. So disengaging strikes are risky on both ends, right? Like now it's like, it's not just that like I get to move and you get a, an attack of opportunity. It, you actually have to make the choice because if you choose to do the disengaging strike, I might hit you on my way out. Right. Yeah. Again, again, the, I, I, think, I think, is it Gilball is the same way like that too? I think it might be similar. Yeah.
1: I know there was a game that that was the same kind of thing. It was whether, you know, you wanted to leave combat. Was it going to be worth it? Uh, kind of thing, you know, because of the fact that the person leaving could hit you back. And I can't remember what game it was, but I, it was a system I liked. So glad to see that they've included that here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So then there, then there's terrain rules. Terrain rules are, I mean, they're terrain rules, right? right. There's cover, there's soft cover, hard cover, difficult cover, narrow cover, moving through friendlies, enemies, etc., impossible terrain, like all yep. that stuff. It's, and it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. It's exactly what you would expect.
1: They slow you down. They give you extra
0: defense exactly uh but the yeah right perfect that's exactly what they do so then you can also jump fall and climb you i mean you can so you can jump gaps if you fall you take damage there's a whole page of rules for it we don't need to go over it extensively just know that there are terrain rules and the game wants you to have multi-level terrain for that reason right it's it's encouraging you to have multi-level terrain because there are very concrete rules for jumping climbing and falling
1: yeah and again i I like that that's that's not a, not thing that a lot of games do, and I know uh, I know Malifaux. I think they fixed theirs pretty much in M three with their falling damage with their climbing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm glad to see more games starting to include that kind of, those penalties uh for you know Legions got there, which Legions got a pretty good easy one night in there uh, as well too. So glad to see games starting to do that more.
0: Yeah, and it's cool because we like the terrain we build and we want that terrain to be meaningful, right? So it's not just meaningful in that it causes different effects, but also for for actually interacting with it and being on top of it and moving through it. Yeah. Um, so pretty cool. Uh, and, that, and then we get to uh, the fear and other conditions. Uh, Fear in this game is Really cool Um, So if you declare a charge action Targeting a model that causes fear You have to take a sanity test Before you pay the AP to charge And if you fail, you gain madness and lose One action point Ouch I mean, it, it makes sense I like it But also being charged by a model that causes fear, causes you to take a sanity test. And again,
1: makes sense. It's thematic. You've got big hulking dude that's scary. You're going to either piss your pants
0: or stand your ground. Exactly. But pretty cool. I like that. It's, it was just another thing that I read and I was like, Oh, that's thematic as hell. Yeah. And they, I like they it. solved it in basically five sentences. Uh, and it's just a really cool rule. And then, much like Wildest Exodus, you've got a bunch of condition tokens. So bleed, blind, burn, paralyzed, fatigue, vigor. So fatigue and vigor are the opposite of each other. Minus one AP plus one AP. Right. Para- paralyzed is your AP goes to zero. <laughs> Boo. Right. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then you have bird burn blind and bleed which are really cool uh bleed basically each time you activate you suffer a wound and then every time you would take the bleed condition that you already have the bleed condition it just causes two additional wounds okay standard it makes sense pretty standard blind makes it so that you can't make disengaging strikes and you also can't make ranged attacks or charge actions Makes or sense. you don't get charge bonuses. I didn't actually mention oh. the charge bonus. That's a big part of the charge action. When you take the charge action, you roll three D6 and not two D6. So that's 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 a pretty big distinction that I missed of 15 minutes ago. Yeah,
1: I mean in in a game I mean it's it's pretty standard to like a game like War Machine, you know, that it's the same kind of mechanic, but in a game where you're 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 trying to achieve a number of thirteen on three D six, it's a lot easier to get to that number.
0: And, and he, and really, but for combats, remember, it's the opposed rule. So you right. get 3d6 plus your stat against your opponent's 2d6. Right. So yeah, that's that's a big,
1: that's a big, big bonus. Big
0: difference. Yeah. And if you're blind, you don't get that bonus. Yeah. Which again, makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And so burning, um, it, it gives you minus one to your combat attack and all your defenses. Uh, additionally. If you take another point of burn when you're burning, two wounds. Okay. So easy to manage and they're tokens. So you can just set the tokens next to the models that have the conditions. And if you remember, there's a rest action that allows you to clear conditions. Right. Cool. Um, so now we'll talk a little bit about the missions. Um, For selection in this game, it's set to 100 points. Uh, as near as I can tell, that's going to be between five and eight models. Um, so, I think in Malifaux-sized game here. Right. Um, deployment, you roll your 2d6 to decide who's going to deploy first. You pick your edge. You do your thing. You roll initiative. And a thing that's interesting in this game is after the first turn, the player with the least myth remaining in their pool gains initiative. So, the game actually is encouraging you to spend the resource that's risky to spend. Uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. It's like, hey, yep. bud, you you, you want to do this? You want to do should, it? <laughs> yeah, you should want to do this because you'll get plus one. Yep. To your initiative roll. So pretty sweet. It sounds like um, us trying to talk each other out of buying new armies. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm actually like talking myself into buying this game right now. It's bad. Then you have your standard stuff. You generate your myth. You do your activations. You do your end phase. And so we'll talk about a couple of the scenarios here because – I it, so – Boy, we've been saying a lot of things we like about this game, but I think uh, as typical to War Cradle, a couple of these scenarios are weak, super weak, mm. especially the first one. I think the first scenario, Chance Encounter, is literally only meant to be played the first time you play the game because it it, it has my least favorite objective, which is just kill all your opponent's models. I hate it. I yeah, wish they hadn't done it.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's standard
0: you know, set up play. Yeah, yeah. Set up your models and kill everything on the other side. Boring. Uh, Whatever. Don't like it. But then all the other scenarios are pretty great, honestly. So Tomes of Power, you have basically three markers – in the middle of the table and at the beginning of those of the game, those three markers, so you, you, in your rules and gubbins box, which we'll talk about, you get multiple objective markers and some of the objective markers are marked with number of victory points on them and so when you first start the scenario, you don't know which is the one point, which is the two point, which is the three point and these things are books. So you're racing to the middle to grab the books and then running away with them and trying to read them at the same time because the only way to score is to spend AP to pick them up and then spend AP to read them. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. That's a cool... Pretty cool. cool. And so the game is basically encouraging you to race and then you can obviously, you can pass them. There's rules for passing them to your opponents. If you knock an opponent out, they drop them um, and you can pick them up and read them. (laughs) So that's Pretty cool. Uh, also, they uh, make you gain madness when you read some of them, <laughs> because you know they're tomes of forbidden knowledge. They make you crazy right. while you're reading them. Yep, that's a hundred percent makes sense. And again, another thing
1: that adds to that kind of thematic level of it that's just another lever for them to pull yeah. on i like that, that they're taking advantage on their scenarios game's got a shitload of
0: flavor then you have gate jumper which is a game where you have five basically teleportation gates that you get points for controlling but also you can hop the gates and hopping the gates causes madness because you don't know what you're seeing as you're jumping through them
1: right Make, again, makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the gate jumping is great. Then you have a, a scenario where you're trying to dis- destroy relics. And then you have scenario five in dreams, which I don't want to get into because it's the most complicated of all of them. Save to say it is like this in dreams is the scenario that like really, really makes the game cool. Cause there are eight separate objective markers that you mix and you aren't necessarily sure what they, what they have, but Basically, how that it works is that when you deploy, you don't deploy all your models because some of your models are stuck in, stuck in the dreamlands. And the way that you pull them out of the dreamlands is finding them on the objective markers. Okay. Uh, and you get VP for securing your friendly, friendly people at, basically when you, as you revive them out of their dreams. Huh. And then you also that's get BP for killing your opponent leader. So you're trying to pull your characters out of the dreamlands and also kill your opponent's leader. That's pretty interesting.
1: Uh, I mean, and again, from what I understand from the, the mythos and the lore, that makes sense for, for you trying to wake people up from their dreams. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. That, so ba- that's pretty cool. It's very cool. Yeah, very, very, very neat. But yeah, so basically you get points for, for controlling some of the objective markers and then four of the objective markers on the table are characters, two of them yours, two of them your opponents. Very, very, very cool. I, I feel like if I was playing this game, I would mostly play this scenario. It would, it would probably mostly be the, the the back three, which would be the Gate Jumper, the Destroyer of the Relics, mm-hmm. and the In Dream scenario. I
1: like how the fact that Gate Jumper already comes with an FAQ. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it definitely does it's like can i do this what happens if this happens yep
1: yeah i mean and again i I think that i think that helps i mean that the fact that they're already knowing that this is going to have some questions Mm -hmm. and let's go ahead and get this done in our rule book like i i don't think too many companies are thinking about that ahead of the ahead of things and and then again i think that's another thing that they probably learn from Wild West Exodus, especially going into the current edition of Wild West Exodus with things, and I, I think that's that's good on on War Cradle. I I like that they did that.
0: Totally agree. And I should say, so that we basically completed our book review. So if you only wanted to hear about the book and not about the factions, now is the time that you could stop. Um, I wouldn't say to do that because we're going to talk about the factions, and the factions are cool. But as a book review, I would say that I like this game. Better than Wild West Exodus. If I was going to play a War Cradle game, this is the game I would play. And I would,
1: after playing Wild West Exodus for as long as we did, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, I, I think this game is great, and um, I wish I hadn't read the rule book because now I want to buy <laughs> buy a crew. I've been, I've been, I've been looking at models. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. So let's 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 talk about the models. Let's talk about the factions of this game. So the game launched with two. And then they quickly launched two more. And then there are two more out now and a seventh on pre order mm-hmm. uh, with an eighth to come after the seventh. So if you, oh, wow. Yes. So if you were going to get into the game, you, uh, as long as you, I think as long as you are into the Cthulhu mythos at all, uh, you can probably find a crew that fits your sort of design aesthetic and what you're looking for. Um, It's hard to say who the good guys are. I don't know if there are good guys in a game like this. Um, So that's also cool, right? Because you just get to always play the bad guys. right. (laughs) So let's... Not a bad bad thing. We'll talk about the factions now. So the first faction, we're just going to go through them uh, in a specific order. So the the Custos Crypta. These guys are like... So I would describe them as like Egyptian... Bug horrors. Uh,
1: I mean, if again, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on my I'm gonna lean on my World of Warcraft. If if this is if you've ever played WoW, uh, this is the the bugs in Ankaraj.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is definitely the if you like Ankaraj. This is the Ankaraj faction. These these are your Silithids. Yes, yeah. One of the models is like this disturbing beetle with a human woman face mask. Yeah, that's. Well, it's so creepy. It's so good. It's so scary. There's like a walking, very like unnervingly humanoid bug tall model with like backwards knees. Oh, it's just so scary. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're nice. They're nice and they're creepy. Yeah, a couple models that are in your traditional Egyptian-looking garb, and then some really gross grubs. So if you want some, like, gross Encarage bugs and Egyptian folks, this is, like, this is your faction. That's the Custos yep. Crypto. Moving forward, we have the Wildborn. Uh, so the Wildborn, also a really neat faction. It, it, it notes them as naturalists and biologists that are looking to live in nature in perfect balance. But what they don't mm. realize is that, you know, Harmony is only reached through the wild, as in Wildborn. Uh, and this uh, causes some altered states for your character. Uh, yeah. There is a extremely terrifying Wendigo-like model in this faction. It's like a really crazy – I don't know how to – I mean, Wendigo is the right way to describe it. It's like a cloven yeah, hoof. Have bipedal scary thing
1: it's definitely a wendigo corrupted cthulhu looking thing because he's got some tentacles on him um but yeah i mean it's honestly when i was looking at the models i was like these aren't as oh never mind yes they are yeah
0: yeah it's freaky there's a centaur lady
1: who's she's cool very cool that is a beautiful sculpt and i i love how human and animalistic the face looks
0: simultaneously they just they captured both of those features very well in the sculpt. totally agree i and i'll say right right off the bat like it's it looks like from all the pictures this is straight up war cradle resin which is the best resin on the market and i can tell Mm -hmm. you like these sculpts are when you buy them they're gonna look The same way the renders do, you know, like a lot of times you'll buy a model and it doesn't quite look like the render. Like the lines aren't quite as deep as the render or it's not quite the same. Like they, they will probably look exactly like they look in these pictures. Well, and
1: I know, I know there's a couple of guys, uh, I think one or two in our discord that have picked up mythos and they've been sharing their models. And, And I will say that the looking at some of these compared to what they've put up on the discord that yes, it's, I think you're correct. They're very, very
0: good. uh Models compared to their renders. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Uh, but so going back to Wildborn though, so you got your Wendigo, you got your Centaur, you got a scary looking snake, you got a lady with a scary looking snake. <laughs> so it's a snake by itself, and then a lady with a snake that's like, yeah, it's 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 crazy looking. There, then they're, you got, yeah, then you got your crazy bog lady by herself. Yep. Mm-hmm. so that's your wildborn faction oh and let's let's talk about it so these are um 35 pounds so you know like Correct. 40 50 bucks for a, a faction starter is what you're looking at i don't know what your local discounts gonna be but that's like the figure 40 50 bucks for a starter yep all right so the next faction is the priory probably the closest thing we're gonna get to a good guy and the closest thing that's normal looking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this model has four very human looking models You know, one of them is uh, clearly casting like a fireball in his hand So, you know, maybe a little bit of mystic action going on there But for the most right. part, very human looking One of them's got a flamethrower, one of them's got a pistol One of them is a badass cat um, And then you have your non-human model, which is like a giant, uh I don't know like golem. a Golem, it looks golem. like a golem Yeah, yeah. elemental looking dude Yep, big, big, big guy Uh, So that's your Priory faction. Then you also – moving on, you have the Brotherhood of Belial, which is like – so the Brotherhood of Belial has a really cool story in that it's basically that the police department, uh, it seems as if they all were corrupted by old gods. So corrupt cops that were corrupted by old gods and are dealing with the transformations that come with that. So you've got your like standard police guy, your detective, a couple ladies with guns, a dude that looks like, I don't know, would you would you say werewolf?
1: Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, he's he's very like and like except for Kinda, well, I guess the face is pretty like now that I'm looking at but it. But also bat-ish
0: too, right? Like right. there's some like bat-looking appendages coming off the arms a little. It's like this Yeah, so when you look freaky. at it from the
1: backside, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then a couple it's- a couple doges, scary-looking doggies. But basically, animals
1: out of my war game.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But basically, <laughs> bad, <laughs> bad cops. Um, moving forward, you have the, I'm going to say, uh, Path of Chronazon. Um, so, your time traveling, pursuit of knowledge, dudes that are, lo- these are the guys that are looking to just... Like, if you think about slanesh, this is slanesh in this game. They're, okay. ju- they're just pushing the boundaries. And I, it's hard to, like, pick an exact theme, I think, with this specific faction. I'll to say they're all masked up, save one. And the masks are really cool.
1: Yeah, he's the most human looking of
0: them. The rest of them, for whatever reason, strike me as very elven. Yeah, a little elven. I would I would get behind that. Um, and then the other dude uh, has like a spirit popping out of his back. Um, right. And then there's another one that's basically one of those spirits by itself looking real scary. Yeah. Hon-
1: honestly, of, of all the factions that we looked at, this is probably, if I were to pick up one, this is the one I've liked the best so far. A
0: man of similar tastes. This is actually my favorite one. I- and I've already looked at them all, and this is my favorite of the batch so far. I really no. like these guys. The priory
1: are a priory are more of the normal looking stuff, but they're just for whatever reason just a little too plain for me. But these are the less like less Cthulhu looking of like striking normal, and I just I love the dynamic poses that a lot of the, especially like the guy with the soul thing coming out of oh, him. Oh yeah, so you good. know the, the the girl with the meat hook on it actually makes me think of meat hook from uh, <laughs> Guild Ball, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, So the poses on these guys are very dynamic. You know, we really only have, you know, kind of two stationary poses. So I, I like these guys.
0: Yeah, they're great super great. So we're going to move on though to my second choice faction. And this is the so the first two factions that were released were the Priory and this one which is the Hidden Ones. And so the Hidden Ones are for for my nautical fans out there. You know, I'm painting a Kings of War army all about the the nautical side, the Naretica the, the army. And that that puts me uh at a place where I really like these guys. These are your very tentacled and underwater scary models. So like yeah yeah one of them's got like crabs crawling all over him another one looks like a fisherman who's been completely corrupted by Cthulhu like one of his appendages is literally a tentacle
1: this is this is Pirates of Caribbean Davy Jones nightmare
0: <laughs> yeah that's for what sure. these look like yeah yeah that dude's got it basically looks like he has an octopus on his back that's controlling him right and then you have a giant crab so it's like a crab that if you've ever played Wild Sex, this is an extra large base with a crab a crab that fits on it just Humongous model. Yeah, that's that's giant.
1: And again for thirty-five dollars. But again you're these seem like you're getting a little you're getting less models for the thirty-five, but you're also getting a giant crab. Giant
0: crab. Giant enemy crab. Yeah, it's f- very big. So we've only got uh, one faction left to look at, and that's the Silver Venators.
1: And these are, the, these are the guys that are on pre-order, right?
0: These are the guys that are on pre-order. And so the cool thing here is that, it, again, if you've played Wild West Exodus and you know anything about their portals, these guys come with a couple portals. I was like, these portals look familiar. But they sure do. And I would imagine they have mechanics that allow them to use those portals. Oh, well, I'm sure they do, uh, and much like the faction that uses the portals to great effect uh, and comes with the portals in Wild West Exodus, these guys are very similar. They have like heavy armor and swords. Uh, it probably should stop saying guys because these are all, all gals. women. Yes, these are all women. Sorry, they are. Um, I just
1: noticed that as looking at these, although the.
0: But then they also li- have, they have two monsters that look like I don't know liquors from Resident Evil yeah just without back legs yeah yeah, just without back li- two leg
1: lickers very scary
0: <laughs> very scary just nightmare fuel these things yeah
1: they really are like i'm i'm digging it until i look at those models and i'm like ah,
0: maybe not i like these ones they, these are cool i'm uh i'm into this faction but it's another one where you're you basically get five models and two portals right but cool uh, so I would say – so that's – we've looked over all the models I and I, I would say – so if we were going to take a, a, a note from a, another podcast, Mayacast, and look at their five-point scale of grading models, almost every model in this range is a four or five. There's a couple weak ones. Like right. I, don't, I don't necessarily love the models in the Priory box, but most of these models are gorgeous. Um, yeah, I mean – Again, uh, I think the your nautical
1: boys are a little too too technically for me. <laughs> I like, but they're, uh,
0: they're cool. Sculpts. No, I
1: mean the, again the, the sculpt the sculpts are great. You know, it's just the again it's that aesthetic that I don't particularly care for. Um, sure. But the, the again the models the models are fantastic. You know, again the the wild born. I have a giant fear of snakes, so obviously that's not a faction I'm going to play. Right, right. So, but uh, I mean, otherwise, I mean, I haven't seen a sculpt. That speaks to me as it's kinda meh outside of the priory.
0: I think you hit the nose the hit the, the hit it on the nose on that one. Yeah, they're great. So let's talk about the other two items you can buy for this now. One of them is the Dunsmith docks set. This is This is some cool terrain. God damn, two man like the amount of terrain you get. so it's a hundred pounds. We had it at at our local FLGS Noble Knight for a while, and I think Noble Knight was selling the set for $118 US, which is really great considering that's like a good deal for us. (laughs) The amount of terrain you're getting in this, that's worth it. Yeah, so you're like, wow, $100, but this is like a serious board's worth of terrain. So there is Mm -hmm. a giant dock. There are three apartment buildings, f- six light posts or eight light posts, a bunch of benches, two cars, uh like outhouse, a church bell. Like it's just a it's a huge amount of terrain and, and
1: precolored. These these ap- these, are, these apartments are also three story apartments, Ex- so they're yes. not they're not small buildings.
0: Nope, they are three stories.
1: Yeah, and it's like all the you're getting so many crates, wagons, benches. Yeah, uh, it's, there's so
0: much stuff in this. This is insane. Yeah, so it's a bunch of scatter and a, and a bunch of other terrain. It's pre-painted. Yeah, it comes that color. It, it assembles exactly the way you see it. In go, the picture. Go, go buy this train. Go yeah. buy it
1: right now. <laughs> it's so. I'm good. telling you right now.
0: Go buy this train. Yeah, especially if you play Malifaux already, because you. This is just a Malifaux box in. It's a Malifaux board in a box. Seriously, outside yeah. of the cars, maybe you'd have to leave the cars out. But like, even still, it's a whole board full of terrain. Yeah, go
1: go buy this train right now. Yeah, it's it's real good.
0: And so the last thing I, I, I love the I love the cars too.
1: And I know it's it's more you know that the early 1900s era car, but th- these are great.
0: They're so cool. They're so cool. But the last thing we have to talk about, and this is a thing that may be a sticking point for some people. So when you buy this game, there's a couple things I want. There, there's a couple negatives, right? So the first is when you buy the models, they don't come with the cards, um, much less much, much like Wildless Exodus. Uh, War Cradle prefers their games to be a living system, so all of the assets are digital, and they're they they're all free. Like you could go and proxy a full game right now. They don't care because like you can just download all the cards and the rules right off the website. It's all there. But the downside of that is that they don't you don't get like nicely professionally printed cards. So if you want professionally print, printed cards, you have to go to an outside source to get them. Right. Or you print them yourself, which. It doesn't bother me that much, but I know for some people it's a total non – like it's a complete non-starter. So I want to mention that. And the other thing that I want to mention is that like Wild West Exodus, this game has a rules and gubbins box. And while I don't necessarily think it's as important for this game as it is for Wild West Exodus, like I I would say that if you've purchased Wild West Exodus, you don't necessarily have to buy the rules and gubbins for this because the rules and gubbins for here, we got a bunch of – counters, counters for sand, for madness and health, uh, counters for your objectives and counters for your statuses. But the important thing that it comes with is the blast template. So if you don't have one of the blast templates, you really need it. Like everything else, you could proxy pretty effectively. Uh, and actually, you know what? I just said that and I realized that you can, you can download, print and cut the blast template. So I guess they've made it that this isn't a 100% necessary purchase, but if you do decide to buy it, you get the rule book, the template, some very cool custom cthulhu dice, like, you know, green and black swirl dice, and then all the tokens you would need for yourself to play.
1: Yeah, and, and I hope what they do for this, kind of what they've done with some of their Wild West uh, Exodus packs, is add in these things to the core sets and just raise it like 20 bucks or, or 15 bucks or whatever. Because um, I know in Wild West Exodus, they have, you know, your two different starter sets for your factions: you got the ones without the rules and the gubbins. And then, you know, ones would, you know, with them. And I think they've actually
0: moved away from that in Wild West Exodus. And I think the way they want you to do it is that you buy a starter and you buy a rules box. And then that's yeah. your starter kit. I mean, just if you're already expecting people to buy both, just go ahead and
1: start including them back and together. That's one of the things I liked about Wild West Exodus. I liked that that was there because
0: I had options. I would say, though, from a – I mean, you still have the options. And I think the thing from here is that it's a build your own starter kit. Right? Like, I mean, that's fair. You don't have to buy – like, you don't need a two-player starter, quote-unquote, because, like, you just both buy a starter and a gubbins pack and you're up and running. True. So, it's, I know. it's I, I just, not I just, that bad.
1: I, there's, I know. And it, for some reason, I guess it's just something that was nice to have, like, for me, just have it all in one box. And I, I guess, that, again, that's just a me thing.
0: Yeah. I, and I don't know that I disagree uh, wholeheartedly. Just that, like, I, I, I do appreciate – the release model that War, that War Cradle's gone with here, in that, like, you get to forge the experience you want with their products. So you don't have to, like, say, this is the starter product. And I, maybe you don't want either of those armies that are in the starter box for a specific game, right? Yeah.
1: Um, and I've enjoyed that. I do like that about their model. And I like that with Wild Was
0: Exodus. Yeah. So I think this is great. Uh, I have probably talked myself into buying this game, which I did not want to do. <laughs> but also, you know, I thought it was worth talking about this game because it, Oh, I think it is. It feels like a game that is not getting enough recognition right now anywhere on the internet. So, here we are. do you have any final thoughts about Mythos, Chris?
1: Uh, the rule set is very appealing. I think it's got a lot of good combinations from a lot of game systems that i'm really enjoying right now um and i think they've learned their lessons from from wild west exodus and and translated those well into this uh obviously reading rules and putting models on table and pushing them around are, are two different things so i know i don't think any of the guys that have picked up mythos on our discord are in the raleigh area i think they're all in your your neck of the woods so if we were to do this, it would probably be a paper doll kind of uh, event first. I
0: actually think there's at least two in your area that have. Is there and, two? And two in mine. Yep. So okay, um, there are people. Maybe maybe not Raleigh, but they're in the. They have red tags in the server, which means oh, they're no, at least from no, the triangle. You-
1: you are cor- you are correct. There. I'm looking through our Discord right now. I'm seeing two I'm seeing at least one right now. Yeah.
0: So you could have an opponent. Yeah. And I'm Oh, uh, no, two of them. Two of them. I see two.
1: Yep. Two guys cuz one of them's a patron so his is blue. Yeah. But I know he's in our area. So
0: I am now I think I'm I'm more firmly in the camp of like this game might be an acceptable risk for me cuz it's like 50, 50 60 bucks for a starter in the first five models. Why not? Yeah, um, I
1: may I may have to borrow some models and have somebody show me the game uh, because looking, you know, from a, I, I saw, you know, I see the Lovecraft kind of thing. I saw last year's announcement for this. I think it was Gen Con that they announced this or Depticon. I kind of can't remember which one they announced it at, mm. Um, you know, and, and seeing again, it was the, it was the crab giant crab and you know, the, the hidden ones in the Priory. And I looked at the models. I'm like, eh, and I've never really given it a second look. Because it's got that Lovecraft uh, tag on it, it the models I saw were kind of meh, I you know. So, but now kind of looking at a lot of these other mo- models and having you go through the rules,
0: it's on my radar now. It it seems like it could be, it could be fun, and that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to put this game on people's radar. So uh, my final thought is I'm glad that maybe we can do that, uh, and that damn it, why did I talk myself into another game?
1: <laughs> uh, my final thought is. Ladies and gentlemen, Chops has now convinced you guys to buy another game. I apologize in advance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, I'll try and get through these thank yous. Uh, Thank you to our patrons, as always. Um, You guys are hearing us on our new mics. We sound better than ever. Uh, Thank you. That is completely up to the the thanks of you guys. We couldn't have done this without that. So thank you for your continued support. Uh, Also, as always, thank you to Static as a City for the amazing intro and outro music that we have on the podcast um yeah find us on social media twitter instagram facebook at three minute of war game that's where we're at also as always join the discord uh every day we got more people coming into the discord the discord is consistently one of my favorite i mean i i I hate to be like tooting our own horn but it's one of the better communities that i've ever been involved Mm with um in in any hobby
1: Period. Yeah. And, and speaking of which, we just got some mythos stuff posted up in our Discord about 20 minutes ago. That's
0: so funny because they didn't know we were recording this. Yeah. They, know,
1: they don't know we're recording this. So Holy the fact shit. That post- that's hilarious. It, somebody, All right. somebody, got their, somebody got their cops painted up.
0: Oh, no. Badass. I'll have to go look. Anyway. Yeah. Join the Discord. Find us on social media. Thank you to the people. Bye.
1: drink yeah i got a glass of water next to me all
0: right cool i just in my intro i wanted to make sure you had room to copy me and say like ice cold glass of water or whatever instead of (laughs) what we normally do which is just leave people out in the cold let paul dictate what we're gonna do yeah paul jeez yeah you jerk tyrant